Welcome back to The Real Lovers, the podcast that takes you on a cinematic journey through some of the greatest movies ever made from the Letterbox Top 250. In today's episode, we're diving into the 1976 satirical masterpiece, Network. Directed by Sidney Lumet and written by Patty Chayefsky, Network is a scathing commentary on the media industry and the impact it has on society. The film follows a television network that exploits a mentally unstable news anchor for ratings, leading to a frenzy of madness and cynicism. As we review this iconic film, we'll explore its themes of corporate greed, sensationalism, and the blurred lines between entertainment and news. We'll also discuss the incredible performances of its all-star cast, including Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, and William Holden, and how they bring this unforgettable story to life. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into the world of network, and discuss why it remains a relevant and thought-provoking film over four decades later. My name is Marley, and joining me on the podcast today is Anthony Caban. Anthony is a filmmaker from Florida. He's an actor. He's just an all-around great dude that reviews movies on TikTok and Instagram. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. Just uh, We just kind of experienced like a pretty bad storm, and it's still kind of windy out, but hopefully we won't have any lightning strikes like here during the <laughs> recording. But yeah. I'm doing good other than that. <laughs> and by the way, guys, I'm just a filmmaker who loves talking about movies, reviewing movies, even making movies. You're just also- a real, but as ChatGPT explained like earlier, is uh, we're reviewing Network. It's number 244 on the Letterboxd Top 250. But before we get into that, I like to do a, what we've been watching segment. So, Anthony, what you've been watching? So, this is interesting. I am trying to get back to watching a lot of movies from 1970 to 1979 based on what I have on my Blu-ray shelf. And I've also been watching a couple movies that are on my list. So recently I just watched Grave of the Fireflies. It is a very incredible film and very masterfully well made done in animation form. A film about war and depiction and how a father and daughter survives a war in Japan where, and things become very, pretty much bad. It's basically, it's not a coming of age. It's not a, 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 a an action movie where you beat somebody up. It's more of a, it's more of a surviving a war film on your own grounds. And while it has become a detriment and how things just become, it's, it's just basically, it's basically a social commentary on war and survival, but from a perspective of family done in an animation form. I won't spoil anything. It came out in 1988 from Studio Ghibli, a masterful film that will punch you right in the heart and will leave you crying. It's like Saving Prior Ryan and Schindler's List, but separate all those characters and just put the daughter in. I've not heard of that film and i want to say i'm a pretty big studio ghibli fan but like you said it came out like in the, in the 1970s no 1980s 1980s okay yeah i know i said pre-70s movies but that's but also i do have a bit of 80s movies that are on my list but 80s is gonna come like in the summer because i like to have that summer feel of the 80s but right now i'm kind of like in the spring mood of the 70s mm-hmm. so i do have a lot on my watch list like i want to watch um nashville for robert altman that's on my watch list i do have plans to watch the deer hunter never fully watched the deer hunter for nothing but holy fucking amazing things about it i I remember i know the russian roulette scene that robert de niro did with christopher walken 
And then there's also other movies like Kramer versus Kramer that I want to see because of Marriage Story. And then there's also other 70s movies, Norma Ray, The China Syndrome, The Parallax View, Clute, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I like to see a lot of like real good under gems, despite that they were nominated. But yeah, I've uh, heard really good things about the Deer Hunter. Ryan Dunnigan, he's been on this podcast like before, and he's mm-hmm. been pushing me to like to watch it for like the past ever since I've known him, pretty much. Yeah. Much. So it's like, yeah, that's like the 1970s to like 79, like a blind spot for me too. But we're knocking one off with Network because that's 1976. Is there anything else you've been watching? I did watch Shazam. Here you have the cunts. That movie could suck a dick. I'm fuck the rock. What? I, I I think I've been I've been reading a lot. Of, I I saw Shazam too. Fury of the Gods. Uh, I I think people are hating on that movie a little bit too much. I think it's just kind of playing off of what the first movie already was. The first movie was very kind of like tongue in cheek. If you're not into Zachary Levi humor, then you're not gonna dig Shazam: Fury of the Gods. And I feel like this the I feel like the sequel is doing the same thing that the first movie already did. I don't know, bro. The problem isn't really Zachary Levi that comes to to mind. It's the screenplay, unfortunately, that just couldn't handle it well. And so I'm kind of waiting on Aquaman 2 and Blue Beetle and The Flash. And hopefully those movies can actually get my excitement up. I'm not really too keen on The Flash, but you have Michael Keaton as Batman. So I will give it the benefit of the doubt because you can't really crap on Michael Keaton as Batman. You just can't. Batman is a very talented actor. He's a versatile actor. And when he plays Batman, it's great. And you got to give Tim Burton the, those two Batman movies respect because they did choose the right people for those roles. You, I mean, Jack Nicholson as Joker, that's an awesome choice. You got an Academy Award winning actor for fuck's sake mm-hmm. playing the Joker. And you have Michelle Sexy ass Pfeiffer playing Catwoman. You got Danny DeVito. As Penguin. You got Christopher Walken playing Max Shrek. Or or if that's how you pronounce his last name. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think the Ogres would be mad at taking that name. You also got Michael Koff. Or Goff. Whatever. As Alfred. Yeah. Very good actor. Has been in plenty of Tim Burton movies. And then you also have, of course... Um, yeah, that's about it, actually. No, no, that's about it. I mean... yeah. I haven't like seen I, I haven't seen the original Tim Burton Batman movies in like a really long time. I want Same. to like, I want to like revisit it because I remember watching it as a kid and it's Batman. When you're a kid, when you're a kid, you're eating up superhero movies like crazy. It's not like now like we're how we're going down the Letterbox top two hundred and fifty and watching all mm-hmm. of the auteur films from this certain eras. From what I remember, Batman, uh, the Tim Burton Batmans were probably some of the better ones. I'm still probably a bigger fan of Christopher Nolan. It's a good movie. Just, just, stop, right? just stop right there. Just stop right there. It's, no, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's yeah. a good movie. But it, is there anything else you've been watching besides... I know there was a huge tangent from Shazam, but... In Bruges, for the first time. Ooh. For the first time? Thoughts. Ooh. I need... I, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I think that it was a very good movie would i say it's a great movie no well here's the thing the thing about martin mcdonough is that like when i go into a movie i just know that his the script is going to be solid 
and you can't deny that the script for in bruges is probably one of the best scripts he's ever written oh it's and a good I'm, script i'm just saying that after like re-watching like banshees for like the second time and banshees is a solid script and probably should have won we'll get we'll get into the our oscar discussion a little later but he probably should have won best original screenplay but but yeah sure uh, i just think it's like when you go into a martin mcdonough film you're expecting like a decently written script i would say that in bruges suffers from one little plot point and that is the motivation for ralph fiends coming after colin farrell like that whole reason just sounded really stupid and i don't get it all, all because he killed a little boy that was just a very stupid plot line that i just didn't really care for mm-hmm. like it i love the resonate with you it just didn't yeah it just you. it just it just felt like that makes no sense i mean if you really wanted to kill him maybe you could have had him like snitch out or some shit like that be a snitch throwing money away maybe pissing off brandon gleason's character mm-hmm. but the first two acts were amazing and then the third act kind of got like it kind of ruined it. The last few minutes kind of ruined it a bit because Colin Farrell could have used that gun to shoot the guy. And now it's like, he's alive. I mean, I highly doubt he died from the injuries because he did get shot like four times. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, even watching films like that were made like a long time ago and watching them with like 2023 eyes. Because I feel like if you were to like watch it like when it originally came out, I feel like you would have liked like that final act, but knowing like how like those type of films kind of like those type of films have resolution now, like and like and you have that knowledge, you kind of have like higher standards. You're older, your brain matured a, a lot more. Mm-hmm. At 2008, I graduated high school. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. 2008. I <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at that point. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but like <laughs> I've experienced like much differently from. Like, from I actually want to rewatch it now to see like how, uh, uh, how in Bruges holds up with myself. But I will say that the Banshees of Inisherin is probably my favorite Martin McDonough film. It's an A plus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the only movies I've seen. I I watched a few things this week. We talked about Shazam: Fury of the Gods. I feel like we already kind of touched on that. I also watched Creed three this, this past week. Uh, Good. Three Good stars. Movie. I give it three stars. Three and a half stars on on Letterbox. It's I watched it again. And yeah, I'm not I'm not too big into like boxing all that much. Since I'm not too into like fighting or boxing like sports movies, I like the touches that Michael B. Jordan kind of like brought to it with like the anime influences. Like that final fight was super unique. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And then yeah, also watched sixty five, two and a half. It only got one extra star because of Adam Driver. So this is something I want to know because I was about to go see the movie. What's so bad about it? What's so bad it, about it? It has no soul. It's really just... I think I went in with the wrong expectations watching 65. If you go in with the expectations of you just want to see Adam Driver just fighting dinosaurs, then you're going to have a good time. But I feel like I just didn't turn my brain off the way when I walked in that theater. I was just like, I don't know. It's dumb. The CGI is not the best. Like, how's the screenplay? Screenplay is totally forgettable, in my in my opinion. I, I didn't really remember too many of the characters, and like the, their their motivations are non-existent. Like in the, like their motivations to do anything, 
like are, are non-existent in 65 like it's uh, bad like like the motivation is just it doesn't make any sense it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and i they don't really establish any motivations at all it's just all right like, good i'm not watching driver. the movie then it's just adam driver just just fighting dinosaurs for like an hour and a half which thank thank god it's only an hour and a half because if it was like a michael bay like two and a half hour movie i would have like blew my brains out but yeah 65 check it out if you like like dinosaurs and adam driver for anyone that didn't watch our stream we watched the oscars live uh, but i kind of wanted to just touch on all the oscars that were awarded just have a little notes everything everywhere walks away with seven awards out of their 11 nominations i feel like they're the surprise and also like uh just like everyone is happy that it won just because everyone was rooting for it to win but uh do you have anything that uh, I, I I put Brendan Fraser in there because I know you were riding Brendan Fraser for like s- six months since you saw The Whale, right? <laughs> well, to be fair, I have been on the fence of Brendan Fraser winning since I heard nothing but great things about The Whale. To be fair, I didn't know who the front runner was be- uh, because the, the road to the Oscars began with pretty much everything in a row at once, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the first movie I watched, you know, that that was like Oscar-wise. And I love that film so much, but if we're, but only if we're talking, but I, I always thought that that film was just going to be picture director and supporting actor and, you know, pretty much screenplay and uh, editing. But other nominations, however, I'm like, whoa, it's going to get Michelle Yeoh nomination and Stephanie mm-hmm. Shue nomination. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we really are we gonna are we gonna take this serious? Are we really gonna take this serious and say that this is gonna be the best picture Because I'm on board with it. I am on board See, with it. You say that, you say that, but as people that watched our stream probably saw, like when when All Quiet in the Western Front started picking up like a lot of the technical awards and score, I started getting a little worried. That's like, is this like all quiet's sweep? Are they just going to sweep every single category since score? And I'm super glad that they didn't because I still haven't seen that movie and I have no plan on seeing it. I mean, it's- the thing about the movie is that, like, for me, the box off, like, not box office, the Oscars were always going to be, like, my front runners early on was this, Decision to Leave. But Decision to Leave, I saw that very late. I saw that in November. Mm-hmm. But I know, I remember Park Chan-wook was, was probably being thrown around as, like, the possible you know, nomination for best director. I was like, dude, I heard he makes a good movie, so fuck it, do it. But then, you know, it's polarized. You know, the reviews are, are, are good, but it's like, it's going to get snubbed. I knew something was going to happen to it, but, you know, uh, I'm glad that I saw it, and I didn't like that movie. I didn't like Decision Leave. I thought it was so fucking convoluted and just I pretty much... I thought for cinematography. Cinematography, I agree, but yeah. some of the cinematography movements were like, it looked it looked kind of weird. Some of the tricks they use, some of the camera work is a little bit like weird. Well, that's that's Park John. That's Park John Wook. Oh, that's him. Like in okay. a nutshell, like if you've seen, gotcha. I saw the devil. I saw the devil is pretty similar with that. And uh, he didn't direct. Yeah, it's good. Uh, one other thing I'd like to touch on about everything everywhere is I've seen a lot of discourse about Jamie Lee Curtis winning. Oh, yeah. Best Supporting Actress over Stephanie Hsu. 
or even like or even uh, forget her name from Wakanda Forever. Um, uh, you know I'm t- you know what I'm talking about Angela Bassett. But everyone is saying that oh Jamie Lee Curtis didn't do anything and everything everywhere, and I'm just like she really did. She didn't. But the whole point is like like she you she mentioned in her speech about like it's not she didn't win this we won this it's it's more of a win for independent film and the fact that and also i saw i saw it as a win for genre films too because the oscars have are very infamous for not nominating people that were in like horror movies or like genre movies and the fact Mm -hmm. that they recognize jamie lee curtis gives me hope that the academy is kind of turning over a new leaf for like genre films like in the future but th- that's the way I looked at it because I tried to be as optimistic as I could. Like I, and and everyone's kind of like Angela Bassett. Everyone is like from from the picture, like she looked pissed off or something like that. We don't know what was happening at that moment. Like, yeah, I think people. I think it's, a lot of people were making this a race issue, which is like no, it's, it's not. It's well, it is, but it's not. It's like it. Like it is a race issue. I, th- I, I it's believe, a race but... issue because she was declared the front runner as she won Critics' Choice and Golden Globe. But the fact of the matter is that she was going to win that Oscar. Mm-hmm. But they well, also have beef with Marvel. You you also have to like you also people also have to like think about uh, that Angela Bassett is the first Marvel like actor to be nominated like in this category. Like she's the first actor to be nominated in the best best acting category, like at the Oscars. Forever, she's gonna have that on her legacy. That I feel like, I know it, it's kind of a cop out thing to say, like, "Hey, it's an honor to be nominated," but really, it truly, is an honor to be nominated because there are so many movies that came out. But do you have any other things you want to touch on on the Oscars before we get into our review? There is a couple things I like to add. Um... I wasn't planning on having Brandon Fraser as my first choice in the beginning because I don't know what movie it's about, you know? I mean, I had no actor frontrunners, in my opinion, other than Kiwi Kwan for supporting actor. But if we're talking supporting actress, supporting you know, supporting actress, actress, and actor, I had no frontrunner, you know? Um, I was like, Austin Bowling ain't no fucking frontrunner. When I saw Elvis, it came out in June. I was like, nah, this dude is like Taron Egerton. He's going to get fucked over. I was like, I was like, he ain't no fucking frontrunner. Because then you have the fall movies coming out. Nah, they're gonna ignore his ass. They'll give him tech awards. They'll do the great Gatsby shit, like give him five awards. But actor, I'm like, fuck no, he ain't getting nominated for actor. But nah. that, that's the weird thing is like Elvis d- walked away with nothing. That was totally surprising, like for me. I thought they were at least gonna get like some technical awards, but they walked away with like nothing. Like this is the one problem. Uh, this is the one thing. Like uh, like. Uh, like we'll wrap up the Oscars like right here. Dude, the Banshees went home with nothing too. But that that's exactly exactly what I'm going to be talking about is like, I'm glad that everything everywhere is swept, but it felt like that, like this Academy Awards felt kind of bland. Like it's not like it felt very predictable. And I didn't like everything that I won basically won like that I wanted to win. You didn't really have any, like upsets or anything like that. I guess you could say like Sarah Polly women talking for best adapted for best well, that adapted was a, screenplay. Well, that that was already a lock from the beginning. That was already it, a lock it, from the get go. It was, but the discourse that I heard on that is that she 
probably wasn't going to win because of what she was saying about the academy, but the academy apparently wasn't listening for what she what she was saying about like how she she mentioned in her speech she's like oh I'm really glad that that the academy awarded a movie where women and talking are in the title because it's like cause... well the thing about the reason why that film won was because they really owe her and it's like they owe her an apology because she was supposed to be nominated for director as well. And it's like, you're not going to nominate for director, but since you nominated for screenplay, just give her the fucking award for screenplay, you know, just do it. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, I did. But I did think that Colin Farrell was my front runner choice. I was like, I rather go. I was like, no, because I didn't see any of the best actor contenders until like the fall. So like there were no like the only movies that I thought were gonna be Oscar contenders was mostly Taka Maverick and everything ever all at once, and then yeah, Colin Farrell kind of got screwed over. I think. I think Banshees. If it were my Oscars, I would have not given original screenplay to everything ever. I would have given it to Banshees and Sharon just to be a good guy in the scenario, just to be a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Just I would have read the love, and that's yeah. Like, that's kind of like the thing that I had an issue with these Oscars is that. I I love that everything everywhere swept, but mm-hmm. in a perfect world, I would I wanted like a more. If this sounds really bad, but like a more diverse kind of like awards, kind of like spread out the awards instead of like the awards going to one movie, one or two movies, and that's all quiet and everything everywhere. I was uh, expecting a tie. A, t- a tie's never really happened though in the Oscars. It's happened. It's only happened, like, it's only happened like a couple of times. But I was expecting a tie. I was really expecting a tie, like because sound you can't. It sound is hard to predict. Um, I would have not given production design to *Off Fine Western Front*. I'm like, no, I would have given that to *Easily Babylon*. I would have given the costume to *Babylon*. I would have given original score to *Fucking Babylon*. Mm-hmm. I would have what? given original score to uh to *Everything Everywhere*, and then no, production design. I have no idea why *All Quiet* was nominated. That should have been *Everything Everywhere*. Like in for which one? For which category? Design? For production design should have just been Elvis, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Elvis, the production design looks 100% like the real world, but I also would have given it to Babylon because, oh my fucking god, it's beautiful. Yeah. Cost design. Na 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 Instead of instead of the the all quiet score. It reminds me of a lot of annihilation. <laughs> it, no, the all quiet score reminds me a lot of of uh, just a, a knockoff Hans Zimmer. It reminded me of annihilation. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Anyways, that was the Oscars 2023. Yeah. Visual Let's... effects, I would have not given it to fucking Avatar. I would have given that to Top Gun Maverick. That's the shit you don't you don't see a lot. That's but it. You, you know that James Cameron wasn't at the awards, and you know that that was the one award that he was going to win. because he Yeah, but he won it. already. Why the fuck does he need to win again? That's That's how the Academy works. But yeah. It's like a uh, it's like a repeat offender. Yay, yay or nay on these uh, these Oscars. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. There were way too many fucking sweeps. 
There were way too many fucking repeats of the tech awards. Other than that, it's okay. Uh, yeah. The acting categories were the best parts. I'll- but yeah, uh, the Oscar 2023, it was good. Like it's decent. It, it's, it, it's decent. It's what, probably it's what the, we expected. Probably the better one of what I got. The better one. I mean, last year was um, well. Last year was great with Dune taking the tech awards. Not into it. Not into it. Not into it. <laughs> you got gonna sway me on Dune. Thought it was boring. I fell asleep. Will Smith. Will Smith. King Richard was amazing. Love King Richard. That was a fucking great film. I love that film. I mean, I know people say Dick Dick Boom with Andrew Garfield. I mean, Tick Tick Boom. Sorry. Tick, tick. I love Tick, Tick, Boom. I love the film. I love Andrew Garfield's performance. If Will Smith was not nominated, I would have voted for Andrew Garfield 100% easily. Mm-hmm. But Andrew Garfield wasn't on the same ranking as Will Smith. Right. That was a performance of a father figure who's like, sorry, man, but that Jonathan Larson versus Richard Williams? No. And also... We can have that conversation a little bit later because I thought that sure. Will Smith was a little bit weak in King Richard. But that was the Oscars 2023. Let's get into our review of Network. And now, the distinguished television news commentator, Mr. Howard Beale. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like at this moment to announce that I will be retiring from this program in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for me in my life, I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this program a week from today. All right, that was a clip from the trailer from the 1976 film Network, directed by Sidney Lumet and written by Patty Shayevsky. I'm just going to read the synopsis here from IMDb. A television network cynically exploits deranged former anchors' ravings and revelations about the news media for its own profit, but finds that his message may be difficult to control. Anthony, you literally just watched like this movie like before coming on to record the, like this podcast. What did you think of Network? I have to rewatch Network again. <laughs> Because I do think I'm very conflicted on the movie. Like, it's easy to just understand the movie, but it's also a very, it's an interesting movie. I like Sidney Lumet. I mean, once I watch more movies from him, I'm going to end up loving his films. I mean, The Man Made 12 Angry Men, which is one of my, it's one of my, it's my favorite Lumet film. It will stand out as the best Lumet film. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Fight me on that. Uh, you can fight me with Superco, Murder on the Orient Express. I don't give flying fucks. 12 Angry Men is the best one. And I love Serpico. Serpico is incredible. This will be. This is the third film from Cine Lume that I've seen. And what I can say about Network is that Network is a performance achievement. It's a unique film. Peter Finch is giving his best performance and a in his career. This was his final performance before he died. They gave him like a deceased actor win. Chadwick Boseman, Heath Ledger thing. Like a legacy award or something like that? Well, he won best actor, I guess. This is his best performance. I know he's been, he's done more movies, but I can easily tell why he won best actor. It's easy because his performance as a, as a delusional Howard 
Howard Beale. Howard Beale. As the delusional Howard Beale, he is just incredible. It reminds me a, a lot of uh, Robert Pattinson, The Lighthouse, when he's delusional. It reminds me of a lot of that. It's a masterclass acting, and he's just great. And 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 uh, you have Faye Dunaway, who's a great actress, um, very good in the movie too. William Holden is also really good in the movie as well. He was nominated for this movie. It's weird that you have two leading actors nominated for Best Actor for the same movie. It is kind of weird because the same shit happened with Some Like It Hot with Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon being nominated. I do think that, well, William Holden's already an Oscar winner. He won for a performance in Billy Wilder's Stellag 17, which I haven't seen. It's on my watch list. It's a film that I would love to see at some point. Because Billy Wilder is a great filmmaker. All the acting aside is amazing. All the performances are great. Robert Duvall is great. I am a little disappointed he didn't get a nomination at least. Because he's fucking good in the movie. I mean, Robert Duvall is a great actor. All actors are great. Cinematography looks gorgeous. But Peter Finch talking about I'm angry as hell. I'm mad as hell. When he talks all about that, it gave me chills down my spine. And it made my head freeze a tad bit. Because he is just giving a masterful performance like he's out there yelling about how the reality of the news is he's talking about how today's news is and Which it's is, it, it's funny because when uh, when watching this movie I, I i like this movie a lot too and i watching this it made me realize like how timeless this movie actually is because you could actually say like the way they exploited like uh like this this anchor that had like a meltdown like this movie starts off with him having like a meltdown like on live tv and like the studio and like and like the media company exploited that because their ratings went up and but back in like 1976 you didn't really get a lot of like studios kind of exploiting stuff like that it's almost like it's almost like a sydney lemay was like kind of like predicting the future of like where we're actually going to go with like like with with like a like what CNN is doing with what what, not like I'm not trying to sing, single out like CNN because they all do it. They all kind of like all kind of like push this narrative instead of like pushing the news. So it's kind of it it like it makes this film like super timeless, which was kind of like kind of you know, super weird to see, just because you can also like kind of like see like the, the like the way social networks kind of like like treat its creatives. They kind of like do the same thing. Like social networks want you to like, like create a piece of content and kind of like keep doing that niche, kind of like what TikTok is doing. It's like you you like we kind of get pigeonholed to like talking about films, even though we want to get kind of want to branch out. But that's not what that's not what keeps people clicking clicking like. You know what you see what I'm saying? How, how it's timeless in that kind of like aspect. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. The thing about this movie is that it's not a comedy. Like, I, like I, I know people say it's a black comedy, but it's really not at all. This is in no way, shape, or form a comedy. If anyone thinks that this movie's label is a comedy, you are sadly mistaken. There was not a moment where I felt like the movie has comedic elements. It's a drama. It's a serious job. It's more about today's political world, which is something that I'm not going to talk about. Because when you're talking about a political movie... Sometimes, you know, you do get into the, your real views and everything. 
It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's hard not to talk about it, but like we're also on a film podcast. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to throw all that. But what I will say, and I'll leave it at this, is that it definitely talks about today's world. And, you know, it talks a lot about the shit that we're dealing with you know, now and the past. Yeah, it's listed as a comedy on letterbox.com, like drama and comedy. And I feel like it like back then it probably was a comedy because people probably saw this in like in the theaters and were like, this is laughably like what why would anyone want to like push a narrative? Like, don't you like turn on these news channels to be informed instead of like being entertained? Like they didn't have like the the knowledge that we have now of like what what these news companies have turned into. So now it's kind of considered a drama and that's kind of how that's kind of how like movies can like change over time. Like yeah. like maybe Sydney Lumet was like like just kind of I say predicting the future but just kind of like having like this idiocracy a little bit. Like how how the movie Idiocracy kind of like w- was kind of presented as a comedy but like now when you watch a movie like Idiocracy it's kind of more depressing because it's kind of like where we are as a society right now. You see, you see what I'm saying? Well, the thing about the movie, and I see what you're saying, but the thing about the movie is that there really isn't anything like, like that I can relate to that's comedy, you know? Maybe the comedic side of it is that it talks about the world today, which is kind of funny, but it's not really full comedy for me, like, unfortunately. I will say that it's a good thing that they awarded Peter Finch his award. And there's good reasons why it, it won. Because this was his last performance. Well, it has nothing to do with that, but I feel like a lot of people love that film. And so it's like, give him the fucking award. Did a good job. I'll give a shade. Did a good job. Did great. So yeah, fuck it. Give him, give him that damn award. I would say that it's sad that that director is claimed as one of the best directors of the of the industry and has never fucking won. Never fucking won an Oscar for directing. Mm-hmm. That's sad. That's so fucking sad. And this is the director that has made over more than 10 movies. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like I, that's why I never like use like the Oscars as like 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 this is a sign of success because the Oscars will pick like really like their favorite movie like the Academy will pick like their favorite movie so I don't really like like I put a lot of stock into it just because I like watching like the show but mm-hmm. like when it all comes down to it like I know we were just talking about the Oscars like a minute ago but but like when Daniel Daniel Kwan like when he won for best director he basically holds it up, holds the award up and says like, says to it, like to his kids saying like, this is not like a beacon of success. You do not have to be as good as me to, and like for some, like, like I, obviously I like, I'm not like Asian and like, I I don't, I have, I didn't grow up in like, like in like that lifestyle, but I have like plenty of friends that kind of like have like that, 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 that grew up in like that type of family. And how it's like they have to like be better like than their than the people that raised them like uh, like uh, than than their mom and dad. Uh, so seeing hearing Daniel Kwan like say that to like his community was actually 
really like enlightening and we sh- we i think we should all kind of like have like that mindset too where it's like you just because we won this award doesn't mean like we're we're better than anyone else because it's like it's it's such a long shot but yeah <laughs> absolutely i agree with you 100 <laughs> percent. but yeah um network the, there's there wasn't a lot the a lot of things that came from like like this movie has like a lot going on but it's also kind of simple like it's really just like it's 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 really just like them just kind of like airing like this guy's like like opinions on the world and stuff like that i like how simple it is uh and i think the performances are like super strong but is it let's talk about like the one the one moment from network that i feel like gets memed all the time is like you you mentioned it at the beginning is uh, I, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. What did you think of that scene? That was the performance that if that movie came out now, if it came out now, I think that the Oscars would have pulled that clip and say, yep, he's winning. Mm-hmm. That was a win. That performance was 100% a win because that that was full of anger you have anger and you have rage and that was a performance that was like it felt like howard howard beale that, mm-hmm. that's a him that's 100 percent him well i mentioned this in my letterbox review that scene like i've seen that scene it like everywhere like it's like it's in like basically every single montage like when you're when you're talking about movies and ha- having that scene with context of the actual movie now I feel like it kind of pulls me out of the movie like a little bit just because like when he's giving the speech, like that's fine. But when the camera starts pulling out and showing like all the people opening up their windows and like saying I'm mad as hell, I thought that was a little cheesy to be honest. I like, you don't need that. You don't need to show people like opening up their windows. Peter Finch like says, exclaims, open up your windows and yell it, yell out to the world. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. You don't need to show that. We know yeah. that that's probably going to be happening. But well, the thing about that that scene is that it's more about how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Do you guys trust the news? Go out of your way. Talk about how you feel. Throw your anger away, and then that's pre- that's about it. You know, it's more about you know telling the people to spread the word, get what needs to be off their chest, get whatever it is that needs to be said. You know, speak from the heart. Speak what's on your mind. And that's kind of like what I got out of it. Yeah, I, I got that out of it too, but I just kind of wish that the, the camera kind of stayed on Finch, Howard Beale, a little bit longer, pushing into like Howard Beale as he was giving this speech. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. But it's a lot to say. It's a lot to unfold. Um, I do think that the movie suffers from an ending the ending was like why do you want him assassinated well that actually no that thing does make sense because you know it's like malcolm x and all these people you know they're speaking the truth and when someone doesn't like the truth they need to you know silence you and everything network was just more about it's more of a peter finch movie which was good it's just that where the film comes in and it becomes more of a problematic movie is 
bringing everybody else is that you make it about others. You know, we have this story plot of, you know, Peter, uh, of William Holden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have this plot line of William Holden's character having an affair. And it's like, did we really need that in the movie? Yeah, you mentioned that. Like, he has an affair with... Faye Dunaway's character. Faye Dunaway's character. Schumacher has an affair. What's the lady's name? Like, character's name? Diane. Yeah, but I I felt like... I personally liked Faye Dunaway's performance in Network. I think she got a little bit overshadowed just because Peter Finch was such, like, a, like a groundbreaking performance. I think that that moment, like, when she felt the need to sleep with her counterparts or, like, her boss to, like, get, like, to kind of push, like, her narrative, I thought that was a little unnecessary because I feel like her character could have easily, could have easily have succeeded without doing that. But that's just how I saw it. It's just kind of corny. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't make me feel, like, sympathetic towards that. Like, I didn't care for their chemistry about that one. That chemistry was like a little off-putting. William Holden's character kind of felt a little too much in the way. This could have been Peter Finch's movie. It's hard for me to tell who the fucking leads, but the movie is so powerfully well done that the act, that the performances are strong from Peter Finch, William Holden, Robert Duvall, and Faye Dunaway, and Benice Strait, the tree Strait, who's fucking great in the movie too for, for that, that short scene. She's great in the movie. You know, the subject topic of news and what speaking the truth can do to you is powerful. And yeah, all the scenes of Peter Finch are amazing. So it's like A minus. Yeah, I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. And like you were talking about the ending. And I feel like the reason why I was kind of like earlier in the movie, you were talking about like the ending for. for network is the reason why I was kind of comparing it to Babylon at the beginning of the podcast was that both films kind of deal with like people being chewed up and spit out of a system. Yeah. That's kind of like what happens with, with Howard Beale's like, like character. He goes on this rant, he gets exploited. And then when the studio, the network doesn't need him anymore because their ratings are low, they just, they just kill him off. So it's like, that feels like, Wow, like that was just like that was like fuck these people. Yeah, you know? it was. But that's how, that's the the reason why I kind of connected to Babylon because Babylon's kind of similar, where it's like, yeah, this guy's working in the industry, but like when he's not as popular as like he was once before, they kind of like kick him to the side, and that's kind of like the nature of like this industry, and. I don't know. I just that's that's why I kind of was like, oh, there's the connection right there. I get it. Totally get it. Yeah, it, it chews you out, spits you right out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Network overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty simple. Really, just to echo what you said, like the cinematography was amazing. Any final thoughts on Network? I'd say Network is a good movie. I know. I know it sucks to say that. I wish I could say it's one of the best movies of the decade, but it's really not because. There are things about this movie that I really just feel like holds it back from calling it one of the best films of the decade. There's plenty of things holding it back. I do think I need to rewatch this movie again to get a better analyzation on the movie because we do see a lot of other things happening like 
you know, she's talking about interviewing people for for like you know like the what's some like like the Panthers or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know. It, I gotta rewatch the movie again. I do like the movie. Network is a solid film. Uh, let's wrap this up. It's been about it's been about two hours. I was just talking about movies. I could talk about movies with you all day, Anthony. But uh, where could people find you online? Go to my TikTok, same username. Go to my YouTube, same username, and follow me on my Instagram, same username. All that will be posted in the description down below for Anthony's channel. Check him out. Posts really great reviews. Check out his short films and feature films. Thank you. I like, appreciate Anthony, that. Thank you so much. It, I really like what you're doing. Like in Thank the you, bro. film industry, it's really great. And Thank I'm you. super glad that we you can follow me at Marley's Film everywhere, talking about family and Vin Diesel. But I don't always talk about family. I always talk about movies too. But just follow me at Marley Loves Film pretty much everywhere. Stay tuned for next week when we're going to be talking about a face in the crowd. So stay tuned for that. That's next week's pod. For the Real Lovers podcast, I'm Marley Silverbrand. And And I'm Vincent Kabamba. You call me Anthony. And keep watching movies. See ya. Peace.